to Simpler. We are three pastors, husbands, and fathers on a journey to make life simpler by holding Jesus as the core for every belief and practice. This journey has shaped us to be more like Christ, freed us from the shame of failure, and encouraged us to a deeper love of our Lord and God. We invite you to join us in the discussions that have shaped and continue to shape our lives. I was about to offer you some soup. We're making soup tonight for young adults, but it will be... What kind? A chicken gnocchi. You want some? <laughs> Dude, you yes. know that I chicken gnocchi. Gnocchi. Gnocchi is what it's how it's spelled, but it's G N O C C I. Gnocchi. I don't know what that is. All right, we were joking. It's a uh, you wouldn't be able to have. There's a lot of cream and, nope. and milk in it. Yeah, it would destroy you. Nope. But it would feel good and it'd be warm and it so wouldn't feel good. It's uh, well, that's true. It wouldn't feel good <laughs> coming the out. First five minutes. It'd feel really good <laughs> on your throat. <laughs> no. and then you would hate everything. Because I have a milk allergy. It would take oh, like true. 15 seconds, really? and I would like be <laughs> swelling up and that sucks so bad. So none of it would feel good. I'll do a I'll do a milkless version for you. I'll use only almond milk and soy milk. <laughs> I can't have almond milk. Oh gosh, can you do soy milk? Um, use wine. Probably. I got you. Just, just use wine. Go full Italian. Use white wine instead of chicken broth. Actually, I could do. Funny enough, um, real butter doesn't bother me as much. Yeah, I can see that. Um, mm-hmm. I have wondered. Have you all heard about this? The debate about. I think it's called kefir. It's like raw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, go ahead. That was quick. Kevin Kiefer. Um, <laughs> That there's, that there is potentially like, there's so many nutrients in, mm-hmm. in raw milk that, um, it would actually be beneficial. Mm. Um, and no one can actually figure out, or I haven't heard a good explanation as to why it's illegal mm. to sell. It's big milk, man. They're running, they're yep. running the industry. I mean, the pasteurization process of milk, like it starts to bring like the same thing with flour. Like once I learned about the fresh milling yeah. of mm-hmm. the wheat, like you start to wonder like why. Why do they have to add a bunch of chemicals yeah. to the wheat when they grind it up so that we can put it on the shelf? Then Longer. you read the history. Yeah. Well, apparently everybody was getting sick when they went through the process the first time when they separated the wheat out. Mm-hmm. Something about that process made them sick, so they started putting these other things in it to to keep people from getting sick. Mm. Interesting. Somebody so, told me years ago about, this is probably wrong based off what you're saying, um, based up with flour and eggs. People only wanted pretty foods on the shelves, and so that's why they started making sure that eggs weren't like had like the the darker, the brown hue, stupid. just white. And then same thing with flour. I mean, it could be the case. They added extra then, chemicals, make it more white. I know that's that. not the case for. Well, I don't know. I'm everything I've seen. It's not the full. Is, case, I've never yeah. seen that as like a like a health reason as yeah. to why they did that with flour. Interesting. Well, corn, corn wasn't just yellow. It was what we typically call Indian corn. Yeah. And they genetically modified it to be one color because be same pretty, reason. Pretty. Yep. People, people, wild strawberries. People learn some are very small. They're like, let's make those things honking big. Yeah, which that's anyway, what they said. Exactly. They were like, they were like, <laughs> I need a honking strawberry. I don't know what these tiny little things are doing here. <laughs> big old chonky one. <laughs> I need a chonky one, man. Chonky honky. That's, that's so funny. I wish that a lot of science or a lot of things that people have done would start from that type of conversation. People yeah. just send them it. Man, I wish I had more strawberries. You know, it'd be great if this one was bigger. <laughs> I need a real big one. They're like, I got your bag, man. Come in. They're like, well, well, that's too big. Have you seen the old like Renaissance paintings of watermelon? Mm-mm. And what it, what it looked like a hundred years ago or two like watermelon like in paintings or was there like yep. singled out watermelons? Okay. Yeah, uh, like what it looks like a hundred or two hundred years ago compared to now. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's Are super really interesting. Small? Well, the meat, like the meat part is really small. So there's a lot more flesh and it's oh, okay. divided almost, if you cut it in half, it's almost divided more like an orange where there's mm. sections of watermelon. Interesting. And uh, and so just out of, obviously we've genetically modified that to a point where it's different now. And yeah, you, I don't know. Dogs. 
dogs. You're just crossing crossing pug, genes. Pugs and- <laughs> can't breathe anymore. Where are my pug people at? That's right. <laughs> those those animals. <laughs> those animals. Oh, that's funny that you would say it like that, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's step on over to the PCC, everybody. Come on over to Pierce's Culture Corner. Welcome. So this, well, at the time of recording this past week, it's probably been about a month or so by now. Um, wow. I know, right? They ruined the illusion again. There was a headline that I, I saw shared around on Twitter that I was like, that's interesting. And the headline is, um, Victoria's Secret ditches prioritizing wo- wokeness over sexiness after sales drop. <laughs> so like, obviously the clickbaits to, to include the wokeness and include everything, but that, that's exactly the issue, right? There was the... Um, they, so the dates that I read in there was like 2018, I think after 2018, they started, um, some of their, they had a new like line of competitors that were doing like positive body positivity type movements and things where they were having plus size models. They were having transgender models and other people. So Victoria's Secret saw that that was kind of taken off and that, that seemed to be where culture was going. So they were like, well, we'll implement a similar notion. Um, American Eagle got a lot of press for it at the time as well, where they were changing the way that they were doing, oh, does it? I think Aerie is their mm-hmm. intimates line or whatever. So so it was it was all the trend, right? It was all the rage. But since 2018, they have gone down uh, 5%, which 5% <laughs> for them is over a billion dollars in annual sales. And so they said, here it is, uh, Kathleen Chin, I'm, I forget, I didn't copy and paste how she works for Victoria's Secret. She's involved in Victoria's Secret. Reported that the brand's efforts to promote inclusivity, which included making LGBTQ pro women soccer player and outspoken leftist <laughs> Megan Rapinoe, is that how you pronounce that? Okay. Uh, as well as a transgender woman, brand spokesman, and getting rid of getting rid of its famous an- uh, angels supermodels gained favorable news from critics, but it never translated to sales. According to the numbers, the lingerie brand's projected 2023 is 6.2 billion, which is lower than the um, original 7.5 billion. Right, so they're down down over a billion dollars. And what's interesting about it, so obviously with what we've seen since everything like Bud Light, we're seeing now in Victoria's Secret, we're seeing now in these things. Like I remember a few years ago, first hearing Go Woke, Go Broke, but I only heard it from like the really, right, really right type people. And they're like, well, you know, Go Woke, Go Broke. And I was like, I have no idea what that means. Like I have no clue what that means. Same people that wanted bigger strawberries. And I know that's exactly right. They were like, <laughs> Go Woke, vo- Go Broke. The voice, Where's your big strawberry? <laughs> the voice sounded the same. So I just yeah, thought right. it was probably the this same. This is my go-to yeah. accent for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you quote me, uh, you're like, and Ryan, yeah, Ryan was like, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so we're seeing, but we're seeing like we're legit seeing go woke, go broke in action. So like people have been talking about this for a while now, where where you're where people are essentially shaping their entire business around um, around new cultural norms, which in essence, I don't think it's bad to follow society like on, on, on a level of like, well, what, do, what are the people buying? What do they want? How marketing, are they thinking? Marketing, yeah, yeah. but. That's not what they did. That's not what they did, right? And so what I think is what I think is interesting from the few articles I read concerning Victoria's Secret is that they they they're still acknowledging a cultural shift without having to change everything about it's their not. company. It's not. I think I think you got to change that because it wasn't a cultural shift. Oh, okay. It was a it was a small group an ideological shift. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. like if culture had actually shifted that way, they they wouldn't have lost sales. That's true. It yeah, was yeah, a yeah. complete ideological shift. It yeah. wasn't like, hey, we're reading the wave of culture. Yeah. It was a group of people, small group of people who were trying to change the ideological viewpoints of, of yeah. culture. And they were making a lot of money at the time, seemingly, from other companies. No. Well, that's the reason why they shifted. There's a company named L and another company that like the whole thing was just those those 
uh, ways of marketing and doing things. And they were, they started to get more traction and make more money. So that's why Victoria's Secret said, oh, we'll change to take some of their money, what they're I, making too. I would be interested. Didn't I would be interested to see that. Like the, the numbers yeah, because, and stuff? Yeah, because, I mean, are you talking about a one-year bump? Yeah, that's what it seems sure. like, I mean, like based off of that, which yeah, just I feels mean, weird to shape everything. Are we talking off of, about like two months they had extra profits? You know what I mean? Like, I would love it. to see what that, what those numbers actually which are. Which isn't, now that you say if that. they're still consistent. Because yeah. there was one article that highlighted, which I don't, so I, I bet it was like a quick jump of the gun thing because they said, uh, it was a, they had, I forget exactly how it phrased it. I didn't copy and paste that quote, but they did say that it was a decision made by their, by their newly instated all fe, or mostly female board. And so I bet it was, they had change of leadership and all the change of leadership said, let's, let's make these changes. So I bet it was that. I bet they saw something quite quick trend and jumped on board really yep. quickly. Yeah. Based off that language, that's interesting. So to not use the term cultural shift, what, what they said, and they didn't give any details concerning this. It was just kind of like a last little statement on the, on the, um, on the articles that I read, they said that they're going back to the original quote, quote unquote sexiness that Victoria's mm -hmm. Secret portrays. And they said they're going to bring back the supermodels. They, they did a Victoria's Secret tour thing that they promoted on Amazon. But they also said in, in light of, um, in light of things like they're, they, they're not going to make a 100% change back, but they're going to shape their stores to be more welcoming. And that's all they said. So I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's their way of saying like, we're not going all the way back, which like, I don't, I don't know what they mean by that, but what they're, what they're saying is like, we're going to, we're going to do what works, but we're also going to be open. Like, and he, he even said one of the guys, uh, uh, I forget exactly his role as one of the presidents. He said that he, where is that? Oh, I didn't copy and paste that one. Uh, but he said that he said, why, why can't we view sexiness as in inclusivity? Like, why can't we view this as something that includes people? Why can't we view this <laughs> right. as something that is also diverse? Like, cause apparently they got some backlash for having a lot of white models as well. And they were like, but what, what we're promoting is diversity that there's, there's all, these yeah. are all, these are all types of women. They, and then we can promote this idea of sexiness as well. And so what he's saying is like, we're not ignoring what you deem as values and diversity and inclusivity, but we're doing it in a way that's, that's promoting our business essentially. Right? I, I feel like what, what's happening now is people, companies are going to have to realize that backlash on like social media doesn't necessarily translate to profits. Mm -hmm. So like, what you know, you, you're going to have a small group of people that are going to like rant and rave and whine and complain about things that they don't feel like mm -hmm. are okay with your company. But at the end of the day, like if you just give in to those whims, mm -hmm. it's going to affect your bottom line. And exactly. I think companies are finally starting to see that. Which is great. Which is great. I love, I love that from the perspective of, um, of us as, as a culture getting, getting used to still getting used to things like social media and things like that, like seeing not only the impacts on individual lives, but also businesses and things yeah. like where people can, how can we, we're still acclimating, which is funny, but it's interesting for sure. So yes, yeah, so I think we're going to see more business doing that as well. I, I think it's, I think it's funny that uh, this is like the inclusivity thing they were trying to do mm -hmm. was literally the, the, the impact of the, everybody gets a trophy mm -hmm. perspective culturally. Yeah. So I say culturally, like ideologically. And yeah, I think yeah. it had been like trying to make its way into culture. I feel like there was this pocket of time when people were trying to implement this idea. Mm -hmm. um, I, I heard recently that this is maybe an effect of it too. 70% of Gen Z would be uh, like not capable of joining the military for like health reasons. Really? Like 70% of That's Gen Z wild. would not be able to, even if they, if everybody signed up. Wow. 70% because they're not fit because everybody yeah, just yeah. sits around and watches their freaking phone all day mm -hmm. and so i think that you're you're seeing that like you're starting to see the effects of it and i think what culture's doing is going we don't want this we don't want it yeah, yeah this is not good for us as a yeah. culture it's not good i mean <laughs> let's just be honest like it's not good to promote 
like culturally a, an unhealthy perspective on life. Mm-hmm. Like why did the government not want, well, I know why, but like why, why did they not promote healthiness during COVID? Because the majority mm-hmm. of people who died during COVID, it was comorbidity. It was like these other mm-hmm. things that were killing them. Most of them were crazy overweight. Yeah. So why don't we talk about that? Because it hurts somebody's feelings. Instead of saying, I mean, the choice is like, let me hurt your feelings or you can die. Yeah. Doesn't seem like much of a choice. Yeah. So I think that's where we're at now is like people are going, oh, this is a bigger deal than just like making people feel like it's okay to be, yeah, be who you are. Yeah. But let's not as a, like as a marketing ploy, make people think Absolutely. Like that's okay. I know I'm going along on this, but, but everything you just said plays, I, I was at a, that conference we went to, the text driven preaching conference a few years back pre-COVID. Um, one of the guys was talking about how we should get ready as youth leaders for, for Gen Alpha coming in. So you might even have some um, who are 11 and 12 that are coming in that are Gen Alpha. And he said that they are predicting that one of the, the predominant traits of Gen Alpha is going to be a desire for truth. And that could be politically, socially. He said, we can harness that for the gospel, obviously. Yeah. Um, he said, but what the big thing with Gen Z is my truth is my truth. And there's going to be a, he said that they're predicting a huge push that people say that's stupid. That's dumb. There's got to be truth. <laughs> there's got to be truth. Something yeah. has to be true. I think what you're back. saying is, is we're kind of getting to a part a point in culture where people are like this is dumb i can't it's not sustainable for for us as a society as people as businesses as politics so how can we actually get our heads on straight and i bet gen alpha is going to take that idea and run with it seemingly so interesting for sure we're not talking about gen alpha or underwear ryan (laughs) what are we talking about (laughs) underwear ryan underwear ryan (laughs) underwear ryan i feel like that's a new simpler poster right there this is underwear ryan (laughs) we just have all kinds of different pictures on (laughs) this is victoria's secret ryan oh man this is uh whitey tidies ryan (laughs) (laughs) just take pictures of other people and put his head on those pictures sounds good underwear ryan yeah, I I don't approve, but I know that I, don't, I, I know that I don't have a say in it, so I, I'm outvoted two to one, and that's how we do church. That's exactly. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Like, there's really no point in me voting on anything ever, uh, man. So today we are going to talk about prayer. Uh, this is something that's been on my mind a lot lately. We've Three have talked about prayer uh, more lately, just amongst ourselves in our own conversations, staff meetings and stuff like that. And we just want to talk a little bit more about some models that we see in the scripture and what that looks like. And also maybe kind of relieve some of the pressure that comes with a legalistic kind of view, I think, Mm. of prayer. But Ryan... Isn't it just as simple as praying the Lord's Prayer? Well, actually, Pierce, I think that most people believe that. Probably most churches teach that, that, hey, the way we pray is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have sinned against us or forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then some translations add for that is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And we go, oh yeah, that's how we should pray. I don't want to rehash that in its entirety. Now we did a, we did the Sermon on the Mount several months ago, and that I think we handled that pretty mm-hmm. thoroughly. But suffice it to say, no one in the New Testament or in the Old Testament for that matter follows that model as a prayer, including Jesus in John 17. And and I feel like that's all I'll say about that right now. So no one in the rest of the scripture follows the model of Matthew 6. I'm not going to say that there's not beautiful things contained within that specific prayer in Matthew, but 
some years ago, I did an outline of the majority of the prayers in the Bible, not counting the book of Psalms. And I included some that maybe some people wouldn't call prayers, like even the the 10 lepers standing at a distance in Luke and saying mm. to Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. Like to me, that's a prayer. They're petitioning him for something. But um, one of the things that the three of us have talked about is that while I think that each of the three of us pray and talk to the Lord and petition God and bring things before God, we've realized that together we don't do that very well. Like that's mm. something that is lacking probably in, uh, like that's not something that we're super intentional about together. And we've desired to do that more, but I don't think that it means that we're bad people or whatever. And I, it, what's interesting to me is that people feel like prayer has to have a certain look. And I, I just, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, people again will quote Matthew six and say, no, you got to pray in your secret place. You got to pray in your closet or your prayer closet or whatever. Again, Matthew six, I don't think is the answer <coughs> to what prayer should look like. Mm-hmm. So a couple of things, um, I have always really enjoyed uh, the prayer of of Nehemiah. I like the way I that you about to say Jabez. <laughs> <laughs> the prayer of Jabez, yes. Uh, so in in Nehemiah, Nehemiah has received word that the walls of Jerusalem are still destroyed, that the city is still destroyed, and he is a, he wants to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls, and he is approaching the king to ask permission to go to Jerusalem. And it says in Nehemiah 2, it says in the month of Nisan, the 12th, uh, sorry, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not yet been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why is your face sad seeing you're not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. So I was very much afraid. And I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city and the place of my father's graves lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king. And if you have found, if I have found favor in your sight, send me to Judah. So I I love this. He's having this conversation with the king and the king goes, man, you're clearly sad. This isn't health. What's wrong? And he said, well, he goes, my city, my home country is desolate and in ruins and, and uh, it grieves me. And the king goes, so what are you asking me? And Nehemiah says, so I prayed to the Lord and then I answered the king. Mm-hmm. And I, I love this because it's clearly not like Nehemiah was like, hey, can you give me an hour? <laughs> you know, Nehemiah didn't just collapse to his face or run off into the closet. Like th- to me in my head, that's really funny. The king goes, what are you asking? And Nehemiah, like in my head, I picture Nehemiah running away, <laughs> diving into a closet and slamming the door and then praying and then coming back. So king, but like, that's not what happens. Like mm-hmm. he just says a prayer. And, and I think that there are a lot of Christians, at least I am one of these Christians that for years and years and years felt guilty that I didn't have a dedicated time of prayer. And I take great encouragement from Nehemiah, who is just kind of going about his daily life. And and literally between the the king asking him a question and him providing the answer to that question, he's praying to God. Mm -hmm. It's not an hour long prayer. It it would, I wish it was recorded for us. That would be beautiful, but Mm -hmm. it has to have been something along the lines of God, like, help me to say the right thing here or help me to have favor or whatever it was, right? Like, it's just this quick moment where he shoots a prayer to God. And and Nehemiah does that a couple of times. Um, I, I love uh, in I love in First Kings, uh, what is it, 18, 7, 18, when, uh, when, yeah, sorry, 
I was thinking, I was going through the chapters. <laughs> it's like it's like old school computer where you're like, wait, not to process. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm you gotta load it. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting old and slow. Uh, but you gotta stick the other floppy in to figure that out, <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, Elijah is is facing off with the false priests and prophets of Baal upon Mount Carmel, and and. These guys, these false priests and prophets, 450 of them have been calling out to Baal all day long, and they're not getting an answer. And then Elijah just, he gets the altar ready, and he puts the offering on it, and he pours water over the altar. <coughs> Big, awesome showdown. And then his prayer that he prays, basically, God, show these people that you're God. Um, maybe 15 seconds, maybe mm -hmm. a 15-second prayer. And then God sends fire down from heaven. And I think one of the things that I love is that most of the prayers in the Bible— that are recorded for us, like Daniel 9 is the longest one that I can think of. Maybe, maybe Jesus and John 17. Those are the two longest <coughs> single prayers. You mean like a recorded prayer? Recorded prayer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and what, I, what I love is that a lot of times it's just people like Nehemiah just going, like in the moment, trying mm -hmm. to answer the king. God gave me whatever, whatever it was. I don't want to put words in Nehemiah's mouth, but whatever the prayer was. Jonah in the belly of the fish, the recorded prayer there, maybe would take you 15 seconds to read through. Mm -hmm. He's in the belly of the fish. He's like, you know what? I'm paraphrasing, of course. He goes, you know what? I screwed up. <laughs> He's like, you're God. I, I'm calling out to you from the depths. I know that you will allow my eyes to fall on Jerusalem again or on your land again and your people again. And like, it's just a prayer of contrition. And, and I, I think that we have been, I think that the disciplines, Christian disciplines, which are usually referred to as giving, praying, fasting, reading your Bible, memorizing scripture, those sorts of things. I, I think that those have become so formulaic. And so like most people who teach on prayer give you this long yep. thing about here's what it has yep. to look like. And mm -hmm. it needs to take this form and it needs to take this shape. And if you're not doing it for at least an hour, and if you're not doing like, and we just don't <laughs> see that modeled anywhere in the scripture. And, and I think like, and I, I know I've said this before on the podcast, but what I was taught, and it, it had such an impact on me as a kid, uh, as a young man, probably 14, 13, that it shaped how I prayed for the, maybe the next eight years or so. But it, we were taught to pray ACTS, the acronym ACTS. So you give adoration to God and then confess your sins to God, and then you can give thanksgiving to God. And finally, when you're done, you can you can uh, ask or give supplications to yeah, God. Yeah, you got to go through the process before you can ask for anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. So stupid. And and out of 155 prayers that I've outlined in the Bible, I would say that probably like 80, 90% of them are people just coming to God immediately with, God, here's what I need. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think the one thing that is often missed in the conversation about prayer is that there's an existing relationship between the person and the guy they're praying to. Mm -hmm. Yes, do um, that. Talk more And about so that. I think that, so let me back up a little bit before we go into that. I think there's, there is an essence where like God's upset with Israel because they are worshiping slash praying to other gods. We know they're praying to other gods because mm -hmm. he says things like you think that that God's the one who brings you rain. Mm -hmm. So I, obviously I'm assuming that in there, but, but I'm assuming You're there not is assuming that that's is, totally in there. Okay. Some kind of, yeah, yeah. okay. Some kind of supplication they're asking like, Hey, would you, you know, we're asking for rain from another God. So yep. I don't think that there's an existing relationship between those people and that God. So just to back up a little bit, I think that there is there is an attempt at that relationship because they want something. Um, the but false I, god, you mean? Yes. Yeah. I do think that what seems to be clear across the scripture is that the people who God um, interacts with 
in this thing we call prayer. And I'm not saying like people just having a prayer, like where they say someone who's not a believer says something to God. I don't mm-hmm. think God doesn't hear that. That's not by any means what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like, if we're talking about a like pattern of prayer, mm-hmm. like a consistent, like prayer is part of your life. It's not just, it's not just you're, you're throwing out these words to some existing being out there in the cosmic atmosphere somewhere. It's, mm-hmm. it's that there's an existing relationship between you and God. And that allows you to have that Nehemiah. The reason that he stopped and said that prayer before he answered the king was because there's an existing relationship. Absolutely. Um, so there, there, it's a different, so I just wanted to back up because I don't think that means every time someone prays that is, is implicit mm-hmm. that there's an existing relationship between them and God specifically or them and the God they're praying to. What I am saying is I think as believers, as people of faith, what you see across the scripture is um, a life built on prayer is a life that has a relationship with God existing Absolutely. previous to that. And I think that's where maybe I struggle with the program. I mean, I probably struggle with programs in general, but like <laughs> you, you definitely do personality wise, but, but I, 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 think, I like it about you. <laughs> I think that, that there is this essence where you almost give people this false hope. Like, Hey, if you go through this pattern, this means you have a good prayer life. Mm-hmm. So you could have someone, let's say like this, you could have someone who has put faith in Jesus um, but like has never learned what it means to walk by the spirit, never learns mm-hmm. what it means like to have a relationship with God, to do life with other believers, like to grow in community. Like they, they're not, they're not at, at, at church consistently worshiping and learning and growing with other believers They're not doing any of the things that are important for us as followers of Jesus. And then they like say, well, someone told me if I just have this program prayer mm-hmm. that I'll start to see the impact of that in my life. They're like, I've heard this, you and I have heard this. We've all heard this a lot. People are like, I've been really been struggling in life. I feel like God doesn't hear me. And as we start to talk to him, we realize there's not Jesus in their life really pretty much anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's like everything in their life is the antithesis of a life built on honoring God. Yeah. And then they're like, where's God in all this? I pray and he doesn't answer. And you start to wonder like, mm-hmm. are they just obeying a program? Yeah like some formula they think that's going to make God listen to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a danger of it yeah, yeah, yeah. is you tell people acts, Ryan. And then they think like, yeah. well, if I go through this pattern, that means God will mm-hmm. respond. It is not dissimilar from it's different, but it's not dissimilar from the idea of a sinner's prayer. Mm-hmm. If I just say these words, there will be this response from God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where my struggle is, is to your point, there's no pattern. There's no program pattern of prayer. I'll say this. If, if there was any pattern, I would, would say, Hey, this would be a good idea to follow. It would be the pattern of Jesus where he gets away from the crowds and he leaves what he's doing and he goes and he spends time with the father on his Mm -hmm. own. Yeah. If there's a pattern to be followed, that would be the one. Yeah. And that's not much of a pattern. That's just like, go do it. There's no model for what that has to look like. We don't know what the prayers were minus John 17. Right. And they were, seemingly for a while yeah well that one and the garden of gethsemane are the only two prayers oh yeah sure yeah, yeah. Sure, sure but but apart from that like there's not a model for what his time with the lord nope, looks nope. like so uh, if there was going to be a program uh, that someone was going to say do this i would not be opposed to someone saying hey on a consistent basis get away from mm-hmm. everything and just go spend time in prayer before the father i i have i would have no problems with that whatsoever yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that's interesting about the point you're making, Micah, is that there is these people, because, and people are going to disagree with me on this and I'm okay with it, but like, uh, I do think of the, the 10 lepers who are crying from a distance, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. To me, that feels 
like a prayer. They're, they are petitioning him. Mm-hmm. There is something they know about him. There is something true they believe about him. They know that he's capable of making a difference. Well, um, but, real quickly, is that just as a premise, is it because you're saying they, they understand that he's God? Because I think there's people who call out to Caesar in that way. True. Yeah. So let's back up. I don't know what they believe about Jesus, but I was, I was loose in my parameters of what mm-hmm. I'm considering a prayer. Because I would think that one of the things we would probably all agree on is a prayer would probably be to a deity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. True. Yeah, I think so. So let's back up. I'm not up. negating your stance. No, no, I'm just no. Saying, I like, think you'd have to, to make You'd have to say, like, they believe that Jesus was God. Yeah. Well, let's back up from it a little bit and <clears throat> say this. The idea of relationship. I think when we look at Nehemiah, when we look at Daniel chapter 9, where he... <laughs> He petitions God and he is like, man, we, we have sinned against you. And we know that he, he's, he's at the end of his captivity. He's looked and seen that God was, had promised 70 years of judgment on Israel. He's seeing that that's coming to an end. Sorry, Jerusalem and Judah. He's seeing that that's coming to an end. He's praying. Um, I, I just think like even the Psalms of David, uh, that some of those are, are prayer like, you know, where he's, oh, saying, absolutely. he's saying, give me relief from my enemies, rescue me, remember me. Mm-hmm. And, and what I love is it's because of the relationship. Yeah. And, and I, I think that, I think what I kick against is the formality of, of prayer. Because uh-huh. if you're, if Michelle and I have been married now for almost 17 years, next month is 17 years. And we are not very formal with each other mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of the depth of the relationship that we have. It, it's not quite as, now granted, we dated very quickly and got engaged very quickly, but like it, it wasn't the same kind of nervous energy when you first meet and mm-hmm. is this going to go somewhere or whatever. Like we have such a great rapport with each other and such a great relationship with each other that it, we can say basically whatever needs to be said to each other and sometimes hard things to each other because there is a relationship there that is trustworthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I I wonder if sometimes the formality that people feel is required in prayer is because they don't understand who they are in Christ or they don't understand the closeness mm-hmm. that they have with God through Christ. Like the 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 reason that we can come before the Father in boldness mm-hmm. is because of who we are in Jesus. Yep. Yeah. And if Jesus, if we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, as Romans 8 says, it, then, then Jesus is the one who has brought us into the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And on the, on the basis of Christ, we can come before him and petition him yeah. however we want to. I think, I think a lot of times of, uh, of Esther, and you know, Esther was almost not included in the Bible because there's no direct mention of God in Esther. I, I think one of the most beautiful pictures of God is in Esther. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, she, she has been told by her cousin Mordecai, um, hey, go and tell the king what's going on. And she goes, I haven't been asked to come into the king for a month. And we know that anybody who who goes into the king uninvited, he can put them to death. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, but God has appointed you perhaps for such a time as this, you know, and if you don't do this anyway. So she she says, well, pray for me for three days and then I'll go in. And she, and the, the one condition that is that if you went in before the king uninvited, he could choose to put you to death or he could extend his golden scepter to you. And this was like favor, like you're welcome in my presence. And so Esther comes into his presence and the golden scepter is extended and she comes into his presence and he goes, what do you want? And she goes, well, I want you to come to a banquet. <laughs> and, and then after that, he goes, okay, now what do you want? And she goes, I'll come to a second banquet and then I'll tell you. But she had the favor of the king. Right. Mm-hmm. And to me that I, I could be stretching it, but I think that that's a picture of Christ. Like we come before the King and he is like, <laughs> Christ is, 
is the thing that allows us to come into the presence of the king. And the king goes, what do you want? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that the formality of prayer comes from a place of us not understanding our relationship with God. And you mean by formality, like, can you describe that, what you mean? <laughs> All I can say is how it was flavored for me growing up and that that's the, it has to be super respectful and you got to have all the form. Like if you don't do it this way, you're not really honoring God. If you don't do it this way, like it would be really weird for me to formally, um, I don't know how you would even do it formally. Like let's make it super ridiculous for me to send, for me to send a letter to my wife to see if she was available (laughs) for a date night on Friday would be dumb. That well, I think about, weird. I think about too, like there, there was some interview with some, uh, people were doing a press tour in the UK and they were talking about I- interacting with the queen. The queen was going to be a part of this as well. And there's all of these stipulations. <laughs> so I think about something like that, where even okay, to, yeah. to, to use today's standards, like if you're going, if you're going, you can't, you can't touch her, but if you want to interact with her, be sure you're standing up straight, be sure you use these types of hand gestures. Uh, you can only have this amount of time in front of her this way. We got to make sure she's facing this way. Yes. She has to be at the head of the room. So it's like all these different details of how it works, how the relationship has to work. So like, think about it, at that point, if I was on that press tour, I'd be like feeling, I'd be so nervous. Every you're little thing, am I up. blocking a camera? Am I in the wrong spot? Am I in front of her chair? Am I touching a piece of royal, a piece of royalty gold or whatever? But what's funny is there's several conversations that we've had, I feel like over the past year that has resurfaced past teachings that, that I didn't realize were there. Cause I've just kind of squashed them. Mm-hmm. But, but, but basically what you're saying in regards to formality and things like I was taught in regards to approaching God, the, um, the, that the, the aspect of fearing God, like you have to have, you have to have the proper fear of God to go before God and also mixed in. What's funny is you guys brought up the whole acts model as well. So fear of God being one thing. And I, I wasn't taught specifically that model, but what I was taught, which I think it comes from good intentions. Like I've told both of you guys, I think the good intentions can, uh, it's not an excuse. It's the just, road to hell is yeah, paid with good intentions. Right. Um, but in that the quote, <laughs> yeah, it is a quote. but, uh, but I, with, I think what, what the people were getting at from, for us was, um, try to think about other things to talk about with God is instead of your needs. I think that's what they were trying to do. It wasn't so much like, here's the pattern, but the way it came across was, <coughs> here's the pattern. Right. And I think what they were trying to do was looking at like, hey, look at the Israelites. Like they didn't have a relationship with God. They just kind of like, oh crap, we're in trouble again. Let's go to God. Like, like yeah. he, let's go talk to Moses about it. Let's go talk to the judge about it. Let's go figure it out. And he basically, I feel like that what they were trying to teach us is like, God's not just like your get out of jail free card. Like have a relationship with God. And yeah. so think about other things to talk about with God. But what it came across as is, do these things and then talk about your needs. And so instead, yeah. what, stink, what stinks about that is you're right. Or there was good intentions there, but I think that we can, it can be expressed differently uh, instead of trying to express. Can we say that it was like a, a misconceived notion of what the text is actually saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, so sure. going back to the deity thing, I've heard people say like, well, God is your friend now. I'm trying to figure out where that comes from. I mean, Jesus, I guess we're to some degree brothers mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. some degree. I still struggle with like the, maybe the modern day cultural right. nuance of that, but we're still praying to a deity. Mm-hmm. Right. And so to God, it, it, this is way different than me, like having a conversation with you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where I think some of it comes in is like misconceived notion of what the text is actually saying. Hebrews yep. 12. Um, we haven't come to Mount um, Sinai yeah. Sinai with, with fire and all the craziness, we've come to Mount Zion. Yep. We're not, to use Galatians to describe it, we're not children of the slave woman, now we're children yep. of the free woman. Yep. We've come to the mountain, but then he closes that section by saying, um, 
verse 28 in Hebrews 12, therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Yeah. He's not different than he was at Mount Mm -hmm. Sinai. The difference is now we are not under the judgment of God. And I think what people forget is he's not different. No. And that's what I mean is like, I don't actually have a problem with the fear if it's put mm-hmm. in the context of God yeah, being yeah, a deity. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the fear that's not punishment. Yes, based mm-hmm. on first, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah. a rec- I mean, it's it's a debatable on the translation of the word awe here in Hebrews twelve twenty eight because it can sometimes mean fear. I, I think it's a no. I, I think so. so I yeah. think it's a perspective. That's what I mean. It's yeah. like maybe it was with with a heart to try to rep- represent that idea to say yeah. approach God with fear yeah. rather than saying it's not approach God with fear of judgment, right. but approach God as the deity, as, as God. the God. scary yeah. God that he is, that has, that has always, and I'm saying it that way because I don't think he changes in that regards. The benefit for us now is to go this, this great, let's say it a different way, this great, mighty, um, terrifying God who is the one who brings judgment in all things has given me grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and now I'm called his child. Yeah, because and we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. I think my struggle is is that the kickback against the what you guys are talking about of, of how we grew up, the kickback against it is to say God is not that big, great, mm. terrifying mm-hmm. God, and He's not different. No, we just don't have to worry about that because now we're His children. But if if we downplay how big and great and scary, terrifying God is, it doesn't make the grace worth it. Right. And that's what I'm saying is like, when I approach God, I don't. grace makes that approachable. Yes. So when I approach God, it's not that he's my buddy. Yeah. He's the same God, but now I approach him with this like joy and overwhelming satisfaction because that God is letting me talk to him. That's Mm -hmm. the difference, I think. That's why I think people maybe tried to go about it the right way, but just misunderstood what the text was saying. Agreed. Uh, I was recently asked that question, what does it mean to fear the Lord? And and this was the best example I could come up with. And now as I voice it to you, I'm going, well, crap, Michael's going to go, well, that was stupid. Here's, (laughs) Here's what's wrong about that. But when I was, when I was 17, I went with, uh, two youth pastors and a 14-year-old boy to New Mexico, and we hiked Hermit's Peak. And I still, to this day, don't know why my parents let me go. I, I'd known these guys for like two weeks. That seems sketchy. <laughs> Super sketchy. That seems like a uh, documentary about to be made. It, but it was it was one of the greatest trips <laughs> of my life. Guys. It was amazing. Cool. Yeah, it was truly amazing. I'm more surprised now in retrospect that the 13 or 14-year-old kid was allowed to go with us. Because <laughs> anyway... But we, we hike Hermit's Peak in New Mexico. I don't remember how tall it is, 10,000 or something like that. And we get to the top and we're the only ones up on top of this mountain. And you're looking out over this beautiful valley and the mountains and this. And what we would do is in the morning, we would get up and we'd get our coffee uh, and we'd make it on the fire and we would go and we would walk to the edge of the cliff. And the last, like, I'm not great at heights. Like some people would just walk right up to it, no big deal and plop down. I would kind of sit on my butt the last five feet and scoot. (laughs) And then hang my feet over the edge. It's awesome. And you're sitting there with your coffee. And you were high enough that the morning clouds would sit down in the bottom of that valley. And you see the trees peeking up. And the whole time, I am captivated by the beauty of it. But my heart's racing because Mm. I'm on the edge of a cliff. Yeah. And I wasn't fearful for my life, but I was still fearful. Mm -hmm. And in awe and just like overwhelmed by the beauty of it. And God is like, and there was this tension in me, not that I was afraid of the position that I was in, but also I'm a little bit afraid. Yeah. Like there's this. And and so I wasn't, I don't know, like to me, the, is it Hebrews? Yeah. Let us, let us approach the throne of, of God with grace, with confidence. Uh, Yeah. Where is that? 
Uh, I thought it was Peter. Maybe it is Peter. I can't remember. <laughs> but I, that's what that's what I think of is is that understanding that God isn't different mm-hmm. allows me to understand the grace He's offered me through Jesus, and now it allows me to to oh, approach yeah. the throne of God with confidence. Yeah. Hebrews four sixteen. Okay. To approach the throne of God with confidence because I know who I am. Like, I think though, what you're talking about, Pierce, yeah. this like trying to instill the fear of God into people so that they will pray mm-hmm. is not the correct perspective. No. It, it's, it's like, I'll say it this way. I have a feeling that when you actually, you said this earlier, Ryan, but just to reiterate, when you actually understand who you are in Christ, the draw is now I get to have this conversation with God. Yeah. I struggle. I have a hard time. And this is part of our conversation. I have a hard time with people who tell me, I just don't really feel like I can pray mm-hmm. that are believers. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. what that means probably is that you don't understand who you are. What I mean is yeah. you don't understand your position before God, this great, mm-hmm. terrifying, majestic God who created everything and can destroy everything in a breath. Mm-hmm. That God now says, you're my child. Welcome into my presence. You can you can't like if you can't approach them with confidence, not based mm-hmm. on you, but based on you're worthless. We're worthless. And God was like, I gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you worth by giving you life through my son. Now you're my yeah. child. Yeah. That gives you the confidence. So like yep. the, I think where where maybe the form has stripped people, the program has stripped people of the joy of prayer is by making them think that somehow if they don't do it the right way, yeah, that somehow it's not valuable. Listen, if you are a freaking kid of God, go talk to God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's and that I think is is the point that or at least one of the points that I I I need to remind myself of is that there's not some formulaic kind of dance that I have to go through to get to the part of the end where I go, okay, now God, now that I've confessed all these sins and now that I've crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's, would you do something about this thing that's really breaking my heart? Mm-hmm. Like mm. it, it's okay to have that be the first words out of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> because this awesome awesome, amazing God sitting on the edge of a cliff precipice in a moment, your life is over, but I'm there by the glory of Jesus Christ. And to say, look, God, my heart's broken today. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't have any room for anything else right now. Like mm-hmm. I don't have any room to come yeah. to you and go, I'm really sorry about yesterday, but like, <laughs> it's, it's just today I'm crushed and mm-hmm. I, I need you to intervene. And, and I think at least for me, I can't speak for everybody else, but at least for me, um, I was taught that those kinds of prayers were so wrong and so out of place because you have to do the dance first before you can come into the presence of God. And the work, the work that enables me to come into the presence of God has been accomplished in Christ. Mm-hmm. That's what people forget. Yes. Yeah. And and so so now I can come before the king without fear of reprisal and sometimes go, you know, look, Lord, my life has not looked like I want it to look. My life has not looked like you. And sometimes come before him and go, God, I'm crushed. And sometimes come before him and go, God, I, I need rescue right now. I need I need to be able to buy groceries tomorrow and I don't have the means. And sometimes like just to be able to come to God and just say, here's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what, like Jesus for crying out loud in the Garden of Gethsemane says, look, if there's any other way to do this, let's do it. <laughs> but not my will, but yours. Like Jesus mm-hmm. himself is going, hey, if there's another way, <laughs> you know, that'd be cool. You know, Peter, not Peter, Paul uh, in in Second Corinthians said he asked three times that God would remove the thorn from his flesh. And, and so like it, he's coming before God, whatever the thorn was, and he's saying, God, I'm, I'm kind of over this. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and what God brought him to in that was like, hey, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And you're you know what's interesting okay? about those examples you just gave is, is these aren't, 
people aren't just asking for fringe needs. Nope. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times our prayer life, the problem is that our prayer life is limited to when we need something. Yeah. Um, I'll say this. I don't think this is a formula, but I do think it's, it's a healthy perspective. I'll say that. Um, when we recognize the beauty of God, whether that's like my favorite things, a West Texas storm rolling in, something oh, like that. Yeah. Like see, see how it changes your heart when you begin to just acknowledge God in mm-hmm. those, in those moments, mm-hmm. like watch how it changes your perspective. So I don't think it's a formula. I agree though. But I think it, it's a, it's a proper yeah. perspective. It, it puts, I think it puts the greatness of God in perspective. I kind of think that maybe is what we're missing in modern mm-hmm. day formulas is that it's, it's not acknowledging how great God is and how small we are mm-hmm. because what allows us now to have confidence is not our work, not what we do or not the formula, yeah. but who we are because of, of, of yeah. faith in Jesus. And that. I, I'm wondering now, maybe maybe the the struggle people have with prayer is that they're not praying with confidence. Yeah. Because so, they don't recognize who they are. So yeah. God's bigness has not changed. And, no. And my weakness and smallness has not changed. But what has changed is my position before him because of Christ. Yep. And and if we could get our heads, how many times do we come back to that? That if, if we would understand our identity in Christ, it would shape our prayer. It would shape our mm-hmm, marriages. Yeah. It would shape how we raise our kids. But like, um, it, here's some examples. Go. You and I have said for years, Ryan, we we struggle with trusting God for finances. Yes. I've been thinking about this lately. I, one of the shifts in the last few years has been that I, I quit asking God for provision mm-hmm. and I just started thanking him that he's consistently provided mm-hmm. because there's never been a time when he hasn't, right? Yeah. So like, why would I keep asking if he always does it? That seems stupid. Yeah. If my kids are like, dad, would you please feed us this month? But they've <laughs> never got hungry. That At some point I'm like, okay, wait. You know? <laughs> so shifting that a little bit in my language, but also... <clears throat> God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is he really worried about a few hundred dollars? Yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, yeah. why do I not approach God with confidence in that? And I'm not saying like name it, claim it. What I'm saying right. is like, like, um, we talked about this. I feel like not too many episodes ago. Sometimes we suffer consequences because we make stupid decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not saying like, all right, God, I just racked up 20 grand of credit card debt. <laughs> I need 20 grand. Right. What I'm saying is like, like somehow we think that like, all right, God, listen, I just haven't done as well this month as I, I know I should have. And we're short a little bit. Yeah. Like, why don't, why don't I go? I get to talk to the God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills and yeah. just be like, listen, God, you know where I'm at help. Yeah. Like that needs to be the confidence. Why, mm-hmm. why do we think that money's a bigger deal than other things this morning on the way I dropped off uh, one of my kids at, at Glenn middle school mm-hmm. and we prayed <clears throat> um, when he was getting out of the car but then actually he prayed this morning, but then when he was leaving, I'm watching him walk off and I'm praying for him as he leaves, like yeah. specific prayers for him. Like, why do I not think that God is big enough to answer those prayers? These are right. not, I'm not just speaking into the air. Yeah. Right. Like I have confidence that God, one of the things I prayed was God shape his heart around honoring you today. Why do I, I wouldn't pray that if I didn't think God right. could do it mm-hmm. and it would be stupid and a waste of my time and probably a waste of God's, that's a weird way to say it because he's not in time, <laughs> a waste of that moment. God's like, come on. <laughs> if I'm just saying it with, I'll say it this way, saying it with hope that like some, like maybe God will hear that and answer it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I'm saying it because I know who I am in Christ and I, who, yeah. I know who he is in Christ. I know God's desire for him. And I'm just conversing with, with yeah. the king of all kings about it because I get to. Yeah. That's what I mean by confidence. Like, I don't think it means that every time that I say that prayer, it means that Grayson's going to have a day where he honors Jesus and everything he does, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to pray because that's part of the process. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's my boys, your boys are ahead of mine. Two of your boys are ahead of mine in age, but it's like, as we watch them grow and 
become a little more <coughs> young men, individuals. They become like you see who they're becoming. And and sometimes I'll just I'll hug my kids goodnight and we will have prayed together. But as I'm walking back to my bedroom or something, I'm just going like, God, just guard them. Like give them, give them, guard them, guard them from like, I don't know. I, I think back a lot to my childhood and a lot of the fear that I lived in. And I'm very thankful that my kids don't live in fear. Um, I, as a lot of people know, I have recently had some health issues that have just been kind of irritating for the last five or six months. And, uh, so several of the possibilities were uh, pancreatic cancer, pancreatic this or that, and a couple of other things. And as we ran some tests, like I was just telling my boys, hey, here's what we're running tests on and we're not worried about it and it'll be okay. And I got one test for a result back that was positive and one that was maybe questionable. And I was sharing it with my family that night. And I was like, here's the thing, but right now we're not worried about it. And I was trying to explain kind of the nature of the test and the next one that I was going to be taking. And Asher looked at me and he goes, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I just wanted you to be informed. He was like, all right. <laughs> He's like, he goes, I'm not, I'm not worried, which is to me such a beautiful thing because as, as a 14 year old boy, when I was 14, I was worried about everything. I lived in fear and, and it, and I just said, thank you. Like I prayed in my head and I just said, God, thank you that my boys don't live in fear. Like I lived mm -hmm. in fear and I pray that you would keep them from that. Like, mm -hmm. don't let them, don't let them be like I have been, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, so the, I really think it's a confidence thing. It is mm -hmm. yeah. not, not based on us, but based on no. an understanding of who we are in Christ. Now yeah, our position before God allows us to approach the throne of God with, is it God or grace with confidence in Hebrews four? I can't remember, but I think there's grace, the throne of grace. Okay. It, it's what you said, Pierce, that made me think about that. Like mm -hmm. the idea of growing up thinking you, someone saying like, you need to pray with a sense of fear. Mm-hmm. I don't actually disagree, but I disagree probably with their intention. Yeah. Like I don't have to be scared of God, even though God's, I mean, I, this is probably a bad explanation, bad adjective, but I don't have to be scared of God, even though he's a scary God. Yeah. yeah. No, you know I'm what I'm saying? You. Like, yeah. um, <coughs> that's, that's not the, the fear they're talking about. Isn't the kind of fear I think that is implied in Hebrews 12. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Worship God with reverence and awe. Yeah. For our God is, it's funny. It's still funny to me that the right of Hebrews says, for he is a consuming fire. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think it's implying that he doesn't change. Yeah. And they know the stories about how God mm -hmm. consumed people with fire. He's that same God. And I think I, I have uh, my opinion is that the reason he's given that example there is because of the mountains. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> Mount Sinai covered yeah, in smoke and covered fire. Covered in smoke and fire. Yeah. Um, it's not too long after that, that, that Aaron's sons die with the same fire very quickly. After so that. <laughs> it feels like that's the correlation. Like, like this God that and you're then a few years after that, you have the 250 Korah's rebellion. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it seems like the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, you have this picture of Mount Sinai mm -hmm. and the chaos and the scariness and touch. the smoke. And I'm telling you that God still looks just like that. But now you belong to Mount Zion yeah. and you get to approach that God with right. confidence with you still re with reverence and awe. Cause you know, he's that still that God, mm -hmm. but you get to approach him. So approach him now with confidence because yeah. of who you are now in Christ. Because in Mount Sinai, he even says this in Hebrews 12, the instruction was you can't come near, don't come near, don't touch. But, don't. but now we can come near. And yep. to your point, God hasn't changed, but our, our position before him has. Yep. And, uh, and so, so what would it be like if that was actually our perspective of God Yeah, mm -hmm. and who we are in him, then we would wake up every morning going, dude, 
that God lets me have a conversation with him today. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The royalty above all royalties, like, mm-hmm. I just want you to have a conversation with me today. Yeah. yeah. What would that mean for some people? That means that they're going to like take a specific time out of their day to go pray. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's a bad idea. Right. I'm saying for me personally, it's not <coughs> a good pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, probably not for you either. Um, because then you'll, you'll like, yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll find, um, guilt if you don't yeah. follow the pattern. I, yeah. I would make it a rule for you. It would be more like a, here's my goal mm-hmm. to do it. But like, I think it's a great idea yeah. to like, to get away from life and spend time with the Lord. But I don't think that means that that's what prayer looks like. Cause yeah. all those examples you gave earlier, these, these people are just having a conversation with God. They're just so doing life. It feels to me like sometimes prayer conversations is like, it either looks like this formulaic thing where you get away and you are apart from everybody and you have time with God and then the rest of your life is not prayer. Yeah. And the other mm-hmm. side's like, no, don't have any formula of like time to get away. Formula is a bad word. Don't have any time to get away. Yeah. Um, but just your whole life is a conversation with God. I'm not sure why those have to be mutually well, exclusive. The, mm-hmm. the thing about the formulaic, really formal kind of thing, which isn't bad, as you've said, is it doesn't really fit with Paul's instruction to the Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can't, you can't pray in your prayer closet without ceasing and still be <laughs> yeah. doing other stuff. They keep they have to keep adding to the church building. Like we gotta keep adding closets. People keep yeah. living here. <laughs> right. I can't That's imagine, what Paul told us to do. Right. <laughs> I can't imagine Jesus wasn't like he wasn't having a conversation with the Father until he left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the crowds. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Like, yeah, exactly. But I do think that there is there is something special about that. I, I still yeah. rest there. Like, there's something. Yeah, I think if us three were going to say there's anything lacking in our life, it might be that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that we are bad prayers, because I don't think any of us are in that regards. I think we all understand our position before God. And Mm -hmm. I bet if we started to talk about our days, we would find out how much of our days are bent on like petitioning God and just Mm -hmm. spending time talking to God. Maybe what we lack is a specific time where we're like, you know what, I'm going to get away. I've been like, I've been so... can I add to this yeah. really quickly? Like maybe not, maybe that's not even a particular time of the day, like where you do it at eight fifteen every morning yeah. or six thirty or every morning. <coughs> maybe it's maybe it's periodically that we are mm-hmm. just taking a moment. Like mm. I don't even know if it has to be every day. Yeah. I, I, I think don't there's think it was an intention- for Jesus either. Yeah. yeah, I think there's an intentionality to it where we go. You know what? Like this, this I don't have a lot going on today. I'm going to take some time. Yeah, to- I have a so I have a thought. I'll throw this out. I'll make this part of the interwebs now <laughs> i don't know this to be the case but here's been, always been my thought about jesus getting away he it's, was tired of the crowds <laughs> i actually think that's what it, i actually think that's what it was yeah have you noticed that when he leaves it's as far as i can think it's it's after the crowds yeah mm-hmm. and i I'll, i wonder i'm gonna make a personal correlation here i wonder if there is a sense of recharge mm-hmm. like like spiritually emotionally like he was like, you know what, I, I, I need to, I just want, the thing I want right now is I just want to spend time with the father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was his, that was his perspective of like, we, we forget that he, he became human. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously he's still God, like he yeah. did crazy things, but I, I, I have a feeling that he still experienced hunger and tiredness, yeah. fatigue, um, frustration with stupidity. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he obviously did that cause he's turning tables over. Well, <laughs> yeah. And, and just the, um, the compassion for the people. I, mm. I think, I think that people yeah, think of compassion as noble, but really if you, this is my opinion. So you're throwing opinions out. I'll throw one out too. I, I think if you have compassion for people, it's draining. Oh yeah. 
because you see people, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jesus yeah, says, yeah, I've longed to yeah. gather you like a mother hand gathers her chicks, but you wouldn't have it. Like mm-hmm. there's a brokenness to that. Like I, I want better for you. I want more for and you. Those and those are the crowds. And you mm-hmm. carry that. And the crowds follow him for food yeah, and, and for miracles. And then Matthew 9, 36, he, he looked with compassion on the people because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Like there's mm-hmm. this. Okay. So maybe there's this brokenness. So where maybe, just, maybe let me put another aspect. I hadn't actually thought about that. Okay, I could be shaken from the recharge thing, but maybe it's a sense too where he's going to pray for the people. Well, hmm. either way, I, for me personally, there's, I'll say it this way. There's not a single Sunday that I preach that my eyes don't fall on the faces of the people in our church and know their hurt and know mm-hmm. their brokenness and know their pain that I don't grieve for them while I'm preaching. Yeah, And I, I feel it. Even as I'm preaching and I'm staying on track and keeping like... I'm, I am thinking of these people and I'm, there's a brokenness that I carry and it, it's tiring. And sometimes I'll carry so much of that for a couple of weeks that I need like two days where I'm just by myself. Well, I'm, I'm wondering, that makes total sense. I'm wondering if not as a formula, but like if it was a pattern that we could follow with Jesus. Yeah. We find ourselves in those moments where, like you're saying, it's not just a, like a particular time of the day I'm picking yeah. every day, but like when I find myself in those moments, I just I leave well, and go to a spot where I can just be with the Father. Well, yeah. Look at let's go back to Elijah and he fled Mount Carmel mm-hmm. and he's exhausted. And I love the joke, the Christian memes, you know, where sometimes all that you need is a nap and a meal. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> because Elijah is being pursued by Jezebel. He's been threatened to be put to death. He goes and he takes a nap. He wakes up and an angel feeds him. And then he takes a nap and he then leaves on a 40 day journey. And he goes and where does he do? He goes and he meets with God and he brings all this stuff before God. And he's like, man, God, like, why is it like this? And God reminds him who he is and tells him what he's going to do and this kind of stuff. Um, But there was this coming away, right? There was this, there was this time and, and we, we see that, I think, modeled for us with Moses. I think we see that modeled yeah. for us with David mm-hmm. um, when mm. they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back the first time and Uzzah is struck. And then then he goes and he, he prays to the Lord. He clearly studies the scriptures because now he knows, oh, the Levites are supposed to carry it. And then when he brings the Ark of the Covenant back, he has this long prayer with the Lord and is like, I can't even believe that I'm worthy to come into your place, you know, and that you have my days planned. And like, and he speaks. Like there were these moments where these people out of the midst of heartbreak and fatigue and exhaustion and fear and dread find these quiet times with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so whether it's Jesus model or not, I think we can argue that it probably is. I think there would be some people who would kick back against that, but I, I don't know how you would. Biblically. I, I mean, I think we could, let's not make it a formula. Let's just say like, Hey, this is probably a good idea. Yeah. yeah. And, and it seems like there are a lot of people who do that, who find these moments. Yeah. I don't yeah. do that. And I think I need to, is what I'm saying. I was going to make it personal earlier. Like, I think I was telling Pierce yesterday that one of the things I've noticed in the last, like, well, this whole year, 2023, um, prior to 2023, there would be days when I would just be like, you know what? I'm going to take my kayak out today mm-hmm. and just go. Um, and I haven't had that in a while. It's self-inflicted. I'm doing that. But like, there's something about those times, even if I'm not getting in my kayak thinking I'm just getting away with be with the Lord. Yeah. Like fishing in a river in you know, in San Angelo, Texas or right outside, like I'm just staring at the beauty of God Yeah, and it's, it's just quiet and it's just, you know, so like there's something about that where it's like the chaos of life stops for a moment. Yeah. Um, sometimes I don't even have cell service, which is great. 
<clears throat> and then I think it's a good idea. Like maybe mm -hmm. I need to do that more, even if it's not get my kayak, even if it's just like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to take an hour and I'm just going to drive somewhere away from everything and turn my phone off and just spend time with the Lord. Like, I, I don't think it's a formula, but I also don't think it's a bad idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that might be something now we're kind of getting off topic a little bit, but that might be something good for us to implement again, not formulaically, but, uh, amongst the three of us to just be like, Hey, you know, periodically Pierce, when's the last time you've just had a day, man, where you could just rest in Jesus, mm -hmm. rest in the father, you know, Micah, when was the last, have you had a chance to do that lately? Mm -hmm. Cause you were just saying the other day, Micah, that you've been really exhausted lately and you, you've said you I don't said, think it's physical. Yeah, you said that. You said, I don't know that it's physical. You thought it was physical. You thought it was the busyness of your schedule. You now feel like it's more spiritual. So this would be a really good time for Pierce and I as your friends yeah. to say, hey, why don't you take a day, man, to yeah. just go be with the Father? Yeah, no, you're right. Um, and and so not that like, hey, did you do that this week? Yeah. But just from time to time, we'll be think, able to ask one another. I think the I think if we notice it, maybe this will be an example of how we're treating it with us three that people could, could glean from, like, Maybe the, maybe the question we should ask when we see that kind of like, um, exhaustion, exhaustion in people is like, Hey, when's the last time you just got away and spent time with the Lord? Like, mm -hmm. why, why is that not a question we ask? Yeah. 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 We, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence because of who we are in Christ. God yeah. hears us. Jesus obviously left the crowds to go spend time with the father and he didn't even let the disciples come. Well, mm -hmm. the, the last half of that <laughs> verse uh, Hebrews 4.16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace mm. to help in our time of need. Mm -hmm. mm. So like, like this is, this is the confidence we have that we can yeah. come to him for grace and mercy in this time. And, um, and so I would, I just, what is that? What verse is that? 4.16. I, I just, I want for people to know that you don't have to put on a performance to come mm -hmm. to the father. Absolutely. Just do it. And there will be times that it's, it's been a while, but there have been times that even like in the shower, I'll be thinking on some scripture that I had just finished reading or whatever. And then something strikes me so much that I'll just go to my face in the tub yeah. and just go mm -hmm. like, and so there are moments I this think is like why that. It's better to have a walk-in shower. Yes. <laughs> but, I, but, but there are moments I think where we are just compelled. Like I've talked to people before who said, man, I was driving and I was listening to this song on the radio and I just had to pull over because yeah, yeah, God yeah. just flooded my heart and yeah. my, the tears were streaming down my face. And mm -hmm. so I think that there are those beautiful moments. Sure. But I think that there are the moments like you were talking about, Micah, with Grayson walking away from your car into the school this morning and you're like, God, like let his, let his yeah. life proclaim your worth. And I think there are moments that we cry out in, in agony. And I think yeah. that there are moments that we need, need to find an escape to where yeah. we can catch our breath and rest in the Father. I yeah. almost think that for someone like me who hates structure mm -hmm. and it feels, I hate, I don't hate it. I oftentimes feel uh, um, claustrophobic, mm -hmm. um, but I almost think for me, it, it makes sense to actually have to some degree a plan. Sure. It makes more yeah. sense because if not, I'm so driven, I'm just going to like go. Yeah. Versus someone who like is really structured, it'd be really easy to be like, okay, well on Fridays I'm doing this. Yeah. For me, it might actually might make more sense to say like, all right, every Friday that I'm in town, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. It's a good conversation. I, it, I know we've left prayer a little bit. We know we've, we've, we've stressed this idea. I feel like that's bunch. part of it though. I agree. 100%. No, absolutely. I think it's yeah. what's not talked about in prayer. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, I feel like we could have another hour on it. Anyway, probably. I was going to say, I, we've, we've, I know we've touched on this a bunch. I don't know if we've said it like explicitly, but I, I think we would agree that part of the, the simpler view of, of us trying to simplify a lot of these things that we've, we've overcomplicated is we've, we've tried to enforce uh, formulas. We've tried to enforce structure. We've tried to, we've tried to say, this is the way it is. And I'm thinking also from a teacher perspective, like, like I brought up earlier, like things that I was taught growing up, I just think how much, I know people don't view it this way, but how much, how it is truly so much simpler to just teach who God is, teach who Christ is, teach what he's done for you and who you are now in him. And because of that, this is how we approach him because of that. Mm, yeah. Now, now you have access instead of the rules to the a laws. father that loves yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. 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 So like, I feel like as, as, as basic <laughs> as it may seem, I mean, you've, you've often said this, Ryan, we're like, the, the, the pinnacle of truth, the highest truth is the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the, the truth of who Jesus is um, and everything that flows from that. Right. So like it's, we, we too often view like that as the entry point of Christianity. Now we've got to, we've got to complicate things and build up on that. Right. Instead of, instead of just pointing back to the gospel. And, and I, I think about too, just even with our youth group and our students, just thinking, man, these, these are, these are everyday practices, uh, everyday, uh, um, parts of our life, disciplines of our lives, right? Praying, talking to God, like inter- interacting with the father. Um, however, that might look for, for your day, where you are emotionally, where you are spiritually, um, just what your day looks like, like they could look different, but there's still a day-to-day aspect of communing with God because we have access to God through Jesus because of who we are now to him. We are now a child. We're not an enemy. And so we can come boldly before him. I think and that's, I, that's it. We can come. Mm-hmm. I, I still think I have a, I'm interested to have your thoughts on this. I think I have a hard time calling it a discipline. Yeah. The only reason why I use it, I was going to, I was going to go on a little rant a little bit about Richard Foster because I enjoyed his, his book on it. He kind of, he kind of uh, redefines discipline just as a day-to-day thing. And so I said it and then I was like, I shouldn't have said that because that has, gotcha. a, has a lot of weight to it. Yeah, yeah. Um. But the way, the way that he used it in his book, the celebration discipline was just um aspects of the Christian life. That's all, that's all he meant by it. Yeah. I still think um, it's, I still think the, the like perspective on that, is is what I get up and I do because I am a Christian. Versus what you said later, I can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I that's you. the difference in perspective. Yeah, if I, I wake up today and go, you know what? I do this because I'm supposed to do this today. Mm. Versus I wake up and I go, dude, I have the opportunity I, to I do get this. to go before yeah. the Father today. Those are two completely different. Yeah, it's two different mindsets for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I change that. I edit this. So I'll just go delete everything I said. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoy this conversation, and I think that it's it's. <laughs> It's very, it's very freeing. Um, a lot of the things that we're talking about, just in the truth, the truth of who we are in Christ, and the truth of of what that means with our relationship with God. And so, uh, for those of you guys listening and watching, um, you have the opportunity now. You can come before God boldly, not because of what you've done. You don't have to uh, prove yourself to God every time you pray before Him. It's not. I mean, I remember legitimately having those feelings. Like I remember growing up and something would happen in my family. Like, okay, I get today, today I'll make myself right with God. So that tomorrow I can pray mm-hmm. for my mom. So tomorrow I can yeah. pray for finances. So today, today I'll be really good. So tomorrow. And it, what's crazy is like, I, I don't even remember people teaching me that explicitly. It's just a misunderstanding of who I had or of my relationship with God. And so that's why I think like, as teachers, as, as preachers, and as those, those of you listening as, uh, as parents as people who have jobs as people who are actively a part of community let's shape our language to be so that we could be we uphold and proclaim the truth of the gospel and we we encourage and 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 uh expose and point to the our identity now that we have in christ wait be your brothers and sisters your children people around you as you as you talk about the gospel like let's talk about what it really is not not just disciplines <laughs> not, not 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 a misunderstanding of what it might be
And maybe um, as a reminder, as a closing thought, like Ryan, I think the examples you gave earlier all through the scriptures is there seems to be this consistent conversation with people of faith in God. Yeah. Like he cares about mm-hmm. that conversation. So don't think that there's a part of your life God doesn't care about. Yeah. And it's just normal. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, did you have a simpler view? Did we say a simpler view? Oh, uh, we didn't. A uh, simpler view is you get to pray. You get to pray. <laughs> you get to pray. Awesome. <coughs> I really enjoy this. You know who else I enjoy? Steven, the hot Cheeto Cheeto vanilla man. We are at the garden audio. Uh, The way that this, the reason why this another one of those vanilla air fresheners from you. I keep forgetting. Yes. Face on it. We should, it would would smell awful, but we should just line the microphones. (laughs) Um, But yes, Steven smells better. Yeah. Well, it would just, it would just not smell bad. It would just be overwhelming. (laughs) It'd be an unbelievable amount of vanilla. Uh, Are we talking about air fresheners or Steven? Yes. Uh, go check out, uh, Steven. So uh, the garden audio doesn't have a social media anymore, but him and his wife are part of a realty team called 87 realty group. It is him and his wife. And what they do on social media is share, uh, real estate tips and tricks. They share stuff in the local market in San Angelo, but as well as like interior decorating and things like that. So if you're interested in real estate or just the home market in general, go give them a follow. And while you're over there, leave a comment and say, Hey, thank you for simpler. It sounds so good. Uh, and while you're at social media, follow at Simpler Pod. Wherever you're listening or watching this, a review helps um, grow the Simpler community because we we um, we've loved the fact that over the past three years we've been able to almost four or three and a half years we've um, we've had the opportunity to have more and more conversations based off what we do here at, at Simpler. And so we're excited to see that community continue to grow. And the way that you can help do that is by plugging in a review, sharing the link, sharing the posts that we have on social media and stuff like that, because we want to have the conversations. Some may be negative on social media, but we get to engage with people who actively want to engage, which is fun to talk about the truth of who Christ is uh, and what he proclaims through his word. And as always, keep Christ's core. What could be simpler than that? Catch y'all next week. Bye.